Just think about Jimmy. And everybody that was here before y'all. You hear my voice, how bad it is? He'd make me sing too. (laughs) (sighs) Okay. Missing a lot of good people, aren't we? I didn't expect this. Good grief. I feel like I'm at a funeral. I'm sorry, y'all. Sometimes when you turn around and you face people, you don't know how you're going to react to, you know, some memories or something. Happens at funerals sometimes for me, too, that when I'm doing a funeral message, I, you know, I might be bebopping around, and I don't know why, but get up, and the next thing you know, you're wrecked. I want to talk to you this morning about faith that receives grace and um, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to chapter 4 of Luke. And um, I just want to read a passage to you because this is really the heart of the book of Luke. And this is why I like the book of Luke so much. This is what it says in verse 18. This isn't really the sermon. This is really the introduction. Um, And this is what it says. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him, meaning Jesus. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And I wanted to give this background to this because I want to talk about faith that receives grace because I often wonder sometimes if I have the type of faith that the Lord wants to give grace to. So the reason I say this is because uh, it hasn't been that long ago. Some of you remember, this is a bad day, when... um, My mother passed away. I asked the Lord to heal her. He didn't do it. And I remember thinking that I'm a pastor. And I thought to myself that somehow 
the Lord, in the back of my mind, I might have thought he might have owed me one. Does that, does that make sense to anybody if we're being honest that sometimes we Christians, we like to look at what we've done, and this is the problem that we have, is that sometimes we think that we're in this earning things mode, and that's not how God's kingdom works, is it? Everything is built off of God's grace, and I remember thinking that surely the Lord would wake my mother up so that she could receive Christ for all of these different reasons. You know, and it's not just the fact that it was my mother that the Lord seemed to say no to, but, you know, as a pastor, people will ask me on a regular basis if I would pray for them. And a lot of times, there is something devastating going on that they're asking me to pray for. And what I know when I pray for them is that there's a chance that God might not heal them. And as a pastor, you just kind of feel like it's your fault. I don't know how to explain it to you, but you almost feel like that since you are theoretically, right, representing the Lord, that if somebody comes and has need of the Lord, you, you expect that the Lord is going to hear your prayer and that the Lord is going to do what you ask him to do. And a lot of times it doesn't work that way. And, it's, and when it does, it's such a relief and it's like just so refreshing because you receive that grace that God has given to whoever it is that you're praying for and you just rejoice because you know that it doesn't happen like that all the time. And so what I was looking at this morning, this isn't on the overhead, but what I was looking at this morning in uh, chapter 6 of Luke it was an interesting thing. I was listening to it a little bit on my Bible app, and I looked at chapter 6, verse 18, and it said, uh, it says, those who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, those troubled by impure spirits, were cured. Now listen to this. It says, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him in healing them all. And I'll be honest with you, I struggled with how to understand what um, that actually means because it just doesn't make sense. And so what I've decided this morning is that it might be that people were trying to touch Jesus because power was coming from him. They were trying to get something from him. And when they're trying to get something from him, the extent of what they're trying to get is probably limited to themselves. And the reason I think this way is because if I'm trying to get something from Jesus, if I'm trying to just get what I want, then somehow there might be this piece of me who is trying to manipulate him into doing what I want him to do. Now, we can look at that passage and you might say, well, wait a minute, Pastor, I think the idea is, is that Jesus has power to heal everybody, and that apparently is what was actually going on. I took it to mean that those who had impure spirits were finding freedom, is when I think of that type of healing. But it, nevertheless, there's this piece of me that says, 
We're all just trying to get Jesus to do what we want him to do. And that doesn't seem to be the right type of faith to me. And so when we go on through here, we find that Jesus is talking to people from Luke's perspective, and this is what I love about Luke. Luke is concerned about the least of these to that they are hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. And so what's going on is Jesus is giving the Sermon on the, on the Mount in Luke's, from Luke's perspective, and he's telling them things that are revolutionary, that things that just don't go with the way the rest of the world thinks. He's telling them things like, if someone asks of something from you, give it to them and don't expect it to come back to you. If, if someone has need of something you have, let them have it. Just don't expect anything in return. Or he might say, you know, something along the lines of, you know, don't only do for those who could actually do for you in return. And these are things that are all revolutionary because in the world that Jesus is speaking into, they are so concerned about what people owe them or getting things back that is theirs and collecting interest. And if we would have continued on in chapter 4, you would have seen where Jesus was talking about when Elijah went to the widow or Elisha healed uh, Naaman of leprosy. And what Jesus was saying to the Israelites at that time is that, you know, those guys went to people that you did not expect. They went to the people who were the least of these, although all of Israel was lost at that time because the only thing that Israel was interested in doing was actually manipulating God into doing what they wanted because of who they are. You can kind of see where they just want to get a little touch from God, but nothing more than that. Just get a small touch so that I can get my life back in order. Just give me a little touch, Jesus, so I can get back on track on living how I want to live, right? And that's why Jesus used those two examples, because he's saying God went to the people where justice is actually needed, we're living in a time where things like justice is being used politically, right? Social justice or um, humanitarian things. What I would say is that all justice starts with Jesus Christ. This is, and by the way, this is Sanctity of Life Sunday. And so all justice starts and originates with Jesus Christ and it's time that the people who follow Jesus Christ rescue that term from being just a political term and actually begin to develop, like we just sang, heaven and earth becoming one where we're doing justice to each other. And it's, it's, it's more than just being against abortion, right? It's more than that. It's also caring about those who have nothing. And the reason this is so important to me is you, you've heard our vision statement. Timothy just reminded us all that we want to connect those who are not connected. I want you to know that when you grow up and you are without a lot of things, and I, I, I thought about this while I was driving here, 
I don't ever want you all to think that I'm trying to get you to feel sorry for me or that I'm using you to get counseling by voicing it to you. What I'm trying to do is give you a perspective that maybe you've not heard of before. And so the reason I say this is because if you didn't have things that everybody else did, that's one thing. But then when you come up in a society where relationships are oftentimes broken, and they're broken within your family setting too, you feel very disconnected, not only from your family, but also from God. And the icing on the cake for feeling disconnected, if you have broken relationships in your life that are supposed to be relationships that you can always count on, is that if you don't have anything physical either, it's the icing on the cake that God doesn't love you. I don't know if that's making sense, but I suspect people who understand what I'm talking about or experience what I'm talking about, they're hearing me right now. And so you feel very disconnected. So when I look at Luke, I'm like, what is the good news? The good news is that God does care for everyone, and whatever divisiveness there is that keeps us disconnected from him and each other, those walls have been torn down by those who actually follow Jesus Christ because we do justice to even the least of these because it's good news. I don't know if that makes sense to you this morning, but let's see if we can't get it to. Turn with me to chapter 7 of Luke, and I'm going to read verses 1 to 10 real quick. Again, this is right after the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus proclaiming to everyone, we love everyone. If you are a child of God, you love everyone, and in fact, you, no one owes you anything. You let it all go, because if you love the Lord, this is how you love the Lord, and it's by doing justice to each other. In fact, you love even those that most of society seems to forget about. Let's look at it. Verse 1. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him 
and, re, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Now, before I get into the points, I want to go ahead and say a couple of things. I wanted to tell you the story about my mother because I wanted you to know that God doesn't always answer our prayers. And the fact that God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we see fit clues us in that something else is in play here with this passage because when I was young in the Lord, I remember thinking that God had to heal somebody if I believed it hard enough and if I believed with all my being and I did such a good job of believing, God would do what I asked him to do. Until the day, God didn't do what I asked him to do. And then the reply that I got from someone when I, I was, it was a head scratcher, someone who was older in the Lord than I was said, that person must not have had faith. So I remind you this morning that God's grace is not something we earn. God's grace is something he freely gives to us. And what we do or don't do has no bearing on how he answers prayers in regard to healing someone. God's in charge, we're not, right? That's just the bottom line. And if he chooses not to, we still choose to follow him. Is everybody with me when I say that? Let's look at the first thing I want you to see this morning. Faith that receives grace will value the life of those who are least. You know, it's interesting to me that this centurion, and I gotta be honest with you, apparently he's got some money, right? He's got some money. In fact, he's got deep pockets. He is someone who is able to build up the synagogue. He even loves the nation of Israel so much so that he, is, he even has the ability to send the elders of the synagogue to come and talk to Jesus. Now, I know that's hard for us to understand because we live in a day when those who give the most money don't have the ultimate authority in churches, do they? Or do they? That's when you guys could have laughed, right? Because don't we kind of respond like that? So this guy has heavy influence, and the elders are sent to Jesus, and they're saying, Jesus, this man deserves for you to do this for him. Now, I want you to know something. I've already stated it. Grace is free from God. It's not, it's not something we can earn, and it's not something that you and I do, but Jesus doesn't respond when the elders come and tell him how much this guy deserves it. Jesus just simply goes with them, and I think that that's something we should really notice. He doesn't just write off say, well, for sure, absolutely, he built up the synagogue. Well, we gotta go and take care of everything that man asked for. He doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. But what's extraordinary, though, and, and I'm just skipping down a little bit when Jesus has this crowd who's trying to touch him to get from him what they need, right? We just get a little touch from Jesus and, 
and, and all my dreams will come true, right? We're just going to touch him, powers oozing out of him. We can do this. That crowd that's following Jesus around for what they can get from him, Jesus simply turns around and he says, I have not seen faith like this even in Israel. Israel. This faith that he's talking about is the faith of the centurion who is a Gentile. He's not a Jew. Not only is he a Gentile, but he has a servant that is someone that he highly values. You all realize that in the world that this has actually taken place, what most people might say to the centurion is, listen, dude, you can just go ahead and throw that servant away. You can get you another servant. But the point that's being made here is that this centurion values the life of someone that most of society doesn't. This is the faith that's going to receive grace from Jesus Christ. See, that kind of cuts. If we look at it from that perspective, that really closes the book on it, that it's not going to really evolve around whether or not I believe hard enough that God's going to heal someone, or if I, you know, I can even fast, whatever I want to do. If my heart isn't for the least of these, those who can't defend themselves, those whom society says, are nothing, if my heart's not for them, then my faith yields nothing. That's the faith that amazes Jesus. Let's look at the next thing I want you to see. Faith that receives grace will combat entitlement with humility. That's a word we've been hearing, isn't it? We hear a lot about entitlement, don't we? I mean, we're Americans. We just feel like if, if, if you make a quarter million a year, then I ought to make a quarter million a year, right? Everything has to be fair. What we're really saying is everything has to be, we're entitled to everything that everybody else has, right? That's really what we're saying. And so what you're seeing then, you know, he sent, the centurion sent the elders to talk to Jesus now, I'm going to just go out on a limb and say the elders were speaking from their own agenda because they wanted to keep that money flowing in, right? They were entitled to the money. They want to go and do something for this guy so they can keep him happy and he'll kind of hang around and keep building that synagogue up. But the next group that actually got sent in, Luke says they're friends. And what I know about friends is that friends are people who actually know who you are as a person. Y'all hearing what I'm saying? Because they know this centurion, and they come up to Jesus, and this is what they say to him. My master, my friend says, don't trouble yourself, Lord. He recognizes, I'm paraphrasing, but he recognizes Jesus that he's not entitled to you coming under his roof. In fact, he says, don't come under his roof because he's not worthy of your presence coming under his roof. Now, this is a big contrast because I shared the last couple of weeks, what I've shared is 
You know, Jesus is going to dinner parties at the Pharisee's house. One thing we know about the Israelites, in fact, it's even into a lot of our doctrines today, that they're God's favorite people. That's what we hear all the time. God loves them more than he loves the rest of us. That's not true, is it? We know that's not true. Or like God favors them, he wants to do for them. What, what, what Jesus experienced is that when he went to those dinner parties, he was with people who felt entitled to whatever good God had to do for them. They should get it because of who they are. You see, that stuff doesn't preach well to somebody who might be living the life of a servant, does it? We know that this gospel is literally written to the least of these. Those who feel disconnected from the Lord and all of the rest of humanity, this gospel's written to people so that they know that God loves them and cares very much about them. And it's also written in such a way that those who are actually rightly connected with Jesus Christ will actually love like God does those who the rest of the world don't seem to care about. Jesus is seeing a contrast here. Jesus is seeing a man who says, you don't have to come under my house or in under my roof because I'm simply not worthy. You know something? I think many of us Christians say I'm not worthy almost to the point we actually use it in a sense to say how holy we are or to demonstrate it. But deep down, remember what I was thinking when I was asking the Lord to heal my mother? I kind of had this idea. I was entitled to that. Because after all, Lord, I'm a pastor. <laughs> I want you to know something this morning. Those who don't seem to have any stock in humility, that faith that we carry around when we don't recognize our unworthiness in God's presence, it's really just a show. It's a show. If we want to have that faith that receives God's grace, it starts when we see how lowly we really are. And when we see how lowly we really are, doesn't it just equal the playing field with everybody else because nobody is good enough to receive the grace that God has to offer, are they? you got to ask yourself, how come a praying church isn't seeing more of God's miraculous things in their lifetime? i got a feeling it's because we stumble right here. We are not combating entitlement with humility. It's seeping into our communities, isn't it? We see it on the nightly news. People who think they're entitled to something that they haven't suffered to get. Let's look at the last thing I want you to see. Go ahead and put that up. Faith that receives grace recognize Christ's authority. So when I'm, I remember when I was at Mecca, and we would just 
we would pray prayers. Lord, heal that man in the name of Jesus. Almost like a, almost like a command sometimes. We've got to be careful with that, don't we? We've got to be careful with that. Do you hear what the man said? Again, Jesus has a crowd following him. The crowd is trying to just get something from Jesus. Get something. Get something. I'm going to touch him. I'm going to get something. When all the while what Jesus is trying to do is he's trying to flip the script and he's trying to get them to give something. Give something. I've got all that you need. Give something. Start valuing human life as we're supposed to as followers of God. You don't have to touch me to get what you need. I'm going to touch you to give what you need to give. That's what he's wanting to do. And so the centurion comes out and he says, Lord, look, you know, I'm a man under authority. I have to answer to somebody. I know my place because after all, he's, we've already established he's not entitled, he's humbled. He says, I know my place. You know, it, it, um, and this isn't what the scripture says, but you can get it. Caesar says, do this or do that. That's exactly what I do. Lord, I've heard. Did you hear that in the, at the very first of the reading of this passage? He had heard of what Jesus was doing. Jesus was healing people. He had heard enough about Jesus that he already understood Jesus Christ has ultimate authority. If Jesus Christ has ultimate authority, that means whatever he does or does not do, it's good for me and you because we know the character of Jesus Christ is to do good for us, whether we think it's good or not. He's always doing good. So he has ultimate authority this man knows that all Jesus has to do is speak it, and it is so. All Jesus has to do is say, sickness be gone, and it will be gone. And what's interesting, Jesus simply, in this situation, he doesn't even speak anything as he's going. Those guys go back when it's, he seems to apparently stop. Those guys, the friends of the centurion, goes back, and they find that the servant is well. And Jesus turns around and he says, I haven't seen this kind of faith even in Israel. Well, we already set the scene, didn't we? Israel would claim to be God's children. But Israel didn't allow God to have authority over them. Because I don't know, I'm going to go ahead and read this to you. This is in chapter 6, verse 46. I posted this on Facebook. Not very many likes. You know how we like to get likes? These don't ever get the likes I'd like to see. I always think, well, there's going to probably be 500 likes on that verse, but they don't get them. This is what it says. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Well, I'll tell you why. Because God's people don't give him ultimate authority over them. We run our own lives, don't we? We will just walk behind Jesus, get a little touch here and there, get what we need, but we're not ever going to give it out so that we can see people who are disconnected from God and their neighbors actually get connected in the right way, are we? You know something, 
The, grace that re- the faith that receives God's grace is the grace that says, you have authority, complete lordship over me, Lord, and what you say is what I want to do. How you say I'm supposed to live, that's the way I want my heart to be. I want my heart to be oriented much like yours, Lord. I may not be perfect, but I at least can get somewhere by having my heart turned toward others instead of myself, and that way you can touch me anytime you want and then touch me in such a way that I'm going to value all human life and I'm going to care for even the least of these. That's the grace, it's faith that's going to receive grace. But you know what we've done with this grace, and I was thinking about it when, you know, that's what choked me up, I think, more than anything. When I think of those who have gone on before us, I think of it in two ways. I'm a Band of Brothers fan. I don't know if anybody else is, if you know what I'm talking about. But I always think of what our troops have done to secure our freedom. And I look back and I say to myself, I don't think this is what they really had in mind for us to take the freedom that we've received and do what we see happening in our country and do, do with that freedom what we see. That can't be what they had in mind. It's the same thing as those who have gone before us from whatever church you might have grown up in. People who were older in the Lord who actually have gone before us, who made it possible for us to continue to exist as a people of God, I suspect that they would say, have the faith that's going to receive grace and give it to the people in the community so those walls would come down. This is why we stayed the course. But we Christians, we turn that faith into just believing for Jesus so that we can avoid being disconnected in eternity. If you and I aren't valuing all of human life, if the least of these isn't something that is something that I guess pokes at your heart, I've got to tell you something this morning. Your faith needs to be restructured through the Holy Spirit. You need to be remade so that your heart does care. Those who are without are annoyances. I can tell you that that's why I felt about God and his people. When I was on the other side, I felt excluded from God, whatever he was doing. But it was because his people didn't have the faith that receives grace. We receive grace so we can give it. That's why we receive it. We receive grace so that we can give it. You might be somebody this morning who thinks that I'm just playing with words because I use the term entitlement. But I can tell you that I in my own personal walk with the Lord have experienced those moments when I thought I was entitled to something that God had that I wanted. And it didn't happen. Now the easy thing for me in that moment would be, well, I could be mad at God. I could be furious with God. And I could, I could still come begrudgingly, and I can preach begrudgingly about the Lord. And deep down, I could still say, I'm still mad at the Lord, but I'm not. And I'm going to tell you why I'm not. Because 
I understand that I'm no better than anybody else and I'm not entitled to any special favors from the Lord. Nobody is. I'd love to know how many people don't come to church because they're mad at God because they felt entitled to something that they didn't get. I wish there was a way for us to have a statistic, but we'll never get the truth. If you feel entitled to something, then it's time to remind yourself of how unworthy you are to have the grace that God gives you. And if it's really strong in you, then you might need to do it every day. I have to. I have to remind myself, Lord, I fall short. Sometimes I even tell the Lord, please forgive me for being a hypocrite. Did anybody ever do that? None of us are entitled. If you're someone this morning that just thinks of God's authority in terms of later on, later on, God doesn't have authority in your life this morning, then you don't have the grace or the faith that God gives grace to. I want you to know that. You don't have that faith that's going to cause Jesus to turn around and say, y'all, y'all have missed this, but this man who's a Gentile, who knows nothing of our culture, this man over here who's caring for the least of these and understands that he is not as good as you all are, which we know they were all not good enough, right? But this man, this man right here, has the faith that will receive grace because he recognizes my authority. And when I come to your houses and I say something that says, when you give something away, don't expect it in return, I get sneered at. Do you remember that? Why would somebody sneer at Jesus? It's because they think he's beneath them. And that's why he says things, or they said things after he reads that scripture. Isn't that Joseph's son talking to us? Those who don't, who, who, who don't want to give Christ authority, it's because you think you are better than Christ. You know better. Don't be fooled. The question I would have this morning is, what if our churches in this area stopped misusing grace to either get God to heal someone we want or stopped using grace to go out and commit the sin that we just want to commit anyway? What if we used God's faith that he gives us to actually receive grace so that we could give it out? I can't help but think people who are on the outside looking inside like I was would begin to feel a little more connected towards God and his people if we did that. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? So with all heads bowed, eyes closed, I don't know where you're at this morning. 
Sometimes I think that what I preach from God's word is a downer because we just want to do things the way we see fit. And if you feel that way this morning, pray about it. But I'm, I'm sure that our faith needs to be the kind that's going to receive grace so that we can give grace. If that's not you this morning, ask the Lord to remake your heart, to redo you, cleanse your heart. Ask him to make you new again. Let's pray. Father, this morning we looked at your word. We've recognized how important it is that our faith is something that actually will get your attention. It's not by what we do or don't do. It's by what's going on inside of us, Lord. I pray, Father, if there's anybody within the sound of my voice that's struggling with that, I pray the Holy Spirit would speak to them. Lord, that you would help each one of us to recognize that we have to be remade on the inside, that we can't act because you know. But Lord, help us to have the faith that the centurion had that cares for everyone. Because Lord, we are in desperate need of your grace. We recognize our unworthiness we ask that you would help us. I pray, Father, that you bring us back again Wednesday and Sunday, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. God's people said, amen.